It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen, after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you once again for making us part of your daily routine. Wherever you're going, we appreciate that you are taking us with you for half an hour, about that or so, every day, because we're back every day, Monday through Friday. We return to being your daily Celtics podcast, your only daily Celtics podcast. So thanks for that. We're the Reign of Jays, John Corrales, Sam Samuel Jamison Packard the third with me today. Here, here. Uh, I'm gonna keep. I don't care how old that gets. I'm gonna keep going with that. Didn't stop us with Tito. Nope. We're gonna do. That's gonna be my my full season thing. The key uh, is commitment to a bit. Eventually, it'll be funny. Eventually, or people will stop thinking it's lame. Uh, yeah. Today on the broadcast, we've got Al Horford dispelling an old myth. We got Marcus Morris. Talking about uh, the BWA and Jason Tatum, adding to the chorus of everybody loving how Jason Tatum looks. Danny Ainge spoke today. We'll let you hear some of what he talked about, including bits about playing with big expectations and accepting a bench role. But we will begin with Gordon Hayward on Pardon My Take, a Barstool Sports podcast. And I listened to it. It was somewhat uneventful i think the the biggest thing the headline that i saw floating around after that was gordon hayward was hoping the celtics would lose without him which is inaccurate clickbait crap but he did say that there was a part of him who that was like oh, i can't believe they're winning without me and it it, it just kind of shows a, a human kind of insecure side to me yeah i think the thing i i you have to grade this on the gordon hayward curve and so if you, if you include that curve, I think it was a, a solid A minus. Uh, it may really, really humanize Gordon Hayward in a way that I was not anticipating. I mean, I've been, I've been wanting just like to understand Gordon Hayward and me and him don't exactly jive, but on this one, it was just like, um, he's a likable dude. He made some jokes and that you're right. That moment of vulnerability where he admitted that, but he also just like, um, I don't know, in listening to other part of my take interviews, they have a tendency to like, bring guys out of their shell. And I thought for this, this was Gordon out of his shell. He was making fun of the guys, making jokes. He said that um, maybe that the jazz are going to be LeBron's B words. That was, <laughs> that's just good old fashioned fun. So I think for Gordon, uh, this was a, a solid performance and I was uh, generally entertained, but on the normal perspective, yeah, he didn't, he didn't say that much. No, uh, right. There was no like news or um, things that were that interesting from what's going on. Like what he said. No, no, no. Look, if, if he, and he said, I don't think you're human if you don't feel some of these things. 
And it's true. I, I, th- my takeaway from this is that Gordon Hayward is a pretty introverted, kind of lame guy who just wants to sit around and play video games, which is fine. That's totally fine. It's not my life choice. If that's what he wants to do, that's fine. But he's not going out there tearing up the club. He's not like uh, Draymond Green, who was talking about, like, oh, I regret spending 21000 at the club. If anything... If Gordon Hayward spends $21,000 on anything, it's going to be on the craziest video game machine that you can buy. Uh, but, you know, look. There, there is he's a, not cool. He's not cool at all. But that doesn't mean he's cool. uncool. I think he's just a he's – a, he's a neutral. He, he's, like if you have to put it into what, like the video game terms, he's a, he's a positive neutral. Whereas right. someone like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> Terry Rozier is a, a chaotic good, a chaotic <laughs> cool guy. Okay, I, I'll put it in uh, an arrested development term. I think Gordon Hayward could be a great Milford man. Uh, be be neither seen nor heard. I think he could very much get on board with being neither seen nor heard. And he's kind of like um, Anne from Arrested Development. Didn't she have very strong legs and was good at softball? Yes, yes. But... So now he's dunking off two feet. So <laughs> I think the I think he's got strong legs in there. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I don't make much of the, um, the stuff he said, like if I, if I had to take a a couple of months off the podcast and you and Jay grew the podcast to like brand new heights, I'd be like, Oh, okay. So I guess, I I guess it wasn't me. I guess it wasn't special, but at the same time, you're like, great. I'm coming back to this awesome podcast and we're, and we're a great team. So there is a human element to like, you want to feel like, you're the reason people or something the team is doing great. But if you get past that insecurity that creeps up in everybody, you you say, all right, okay, this is cool. This is good. These guys are, are growing and all this stuff, and we're going to be – we're actually going to be really, really great. Uh, and I think that comment more than anything, like you said, humanizes – I, I kind of understand what he's saying. Maybe it didn't come out great for him, but I understand what he's saying, that – no, I think it was great. He was he was honest and he was like authentic. Like it's not that he was like made uncomfortable by any of these comments and he like acknowledged that oh, I thought it was great when he said his cliche was that some days you have rocks and some days you have diamonds. Right. Right. He said a cliche that no one's ever heard of before, but right. I liked it. <laughs> Isn't a cliche supposed to be something that everybody says? Mhm. Not for Gordon. Not for Gordo. Yeah. So uh so yeah, that's it. That's part of the, that's the part of my take. Uh, if you haven't listened to that or if you're not a regular listener to that, you check out Gordon Hayward on that. Uh, they talked for somewhere around 20 minutes in the middle of the podcast, so you can go check that out. Uh, other than that, meh, meh, beige. He's beige, just kind of blends in with everything. It's like the hottest beige there is. He's yeah. got a nice haircut. He does have, yes. Hot He's, beige is a good nickname. Hot <laughs> Gordon Hot Beige Hayward? Oh, 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 oh. That, that could be something. Hot Beige. Mm-hmm. That could be part of the Daddy's Always Happy line. Uh, just a, a shirt that says Hot Beige. But, Colon, Daddy's Always Happy. Yeah, that's a that's a book right there. Yeah. Maybe an erotic literature fil- uh, novel, but, you know, we'll see. I'll have to write it first. <laughs> All right, so that's that. Uh, I got nothing else to say about that. Let's talk about Danny Ainge, who made an appearance a couple days into camp. The second day, the Celtics were out there actually playing. Said a few things. Uh, I think uh, we'll play a couple of these sound bites for you guys so you can listen. Uh, let's start with 
the uh, expectations, and I think it's uh, we were talking about this the other, the other yesterday on the podcast how it's easier to podcast and blog and talk about a team that's either exceeding expectations or is somehow like bad that's not just a juggernaut because there's just always these crazy things to talk about. You're either so way better storylines, man. Yeah, that was just. They, we expect them to be good, and now if they're not good, that's a storyline. But if they are good, like we expect them to be, yeah, it's right. difficult. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, they're great. That's that's great. Okay. Well, thank God for memes, man. Join thank us tomorrow. God for memes. Yes, yes. So let's let's play uh, uh, Danny Ainge here on playing with expectations. Yeah, it's a different mindset. I think that. Um you know the favorites have been. You know, it's, I think it's easier to play as an underdog and with yeah. lower expectations. And I think it's more challenging to because of what you're going to face. I mean, as a as a favorite and uh, as a team that uh, was in the final four last year, yeah. like we're going to be a team that people are gunning for more. We're going to see the best that other that our opponents have. And uh, I think our players know that logically, but sometimes you got to go through that to see. That we're seeing the best that everybody has, and that's that's what favorites have to go through. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA Network of Podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. What are you most looking forward to having, hopefully, a full, healthy season with Kai? So that's basically what we just said. And he said it's easier when you're the underdog. It's easier because you got something to fight, fight against. You've got that locker room material. They're all saying you can't, and look at what they're all saying about you. Now it's like everybody's saying you can. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I guess we can. That's cool. So like, what motivates you? What what's that thing that motivates you? Uh, and this is where you talk about like when you get to that super high level of this that we're talking about, which is the Warriors trying to go to the finals for the fifth straight time and win their, what, fourth championship. Like, that's where it really gets tough because it's the Celtics at least have that we lost in the conference finals thing going on. If, they are, if they're trying to win, repeat 
three-peat, whatever, it gets especially difficult. So at least for the Celtics, yeah, they've got high expectations, but they can't always go back to, we lost last year. No, this is why you got to be a mental alpha and <laughs> have the growth mindset. The Celtics, they have all the talent in the world, and they have, they're capable of being a championship team, but you have to put the work in and have to try and get better each day, practice a Kaizen philosophy, and then you can finally reach the kind of uh, euphoria, the erotic city uh, that you're so destined to, to tr- like what they are capable of doing. So, I mean, in, in looking at the quotes that they're coming out of the Celtics camp, they're like, we talked about this earlier in the week because there's nothing else to talk about because they keep on saying we got to put the work in. We're good. This is a very talented team. It's fun, but we got to put the work in if we want to be there. I'm like every single person is like raising their hands. I'm willing to sacrifice for this team because that's what you have to do to be a championship. So I think the propaganda machine that is kind of the Brad Stevens uh, wing of the Celtics. Uh, we even heard it here coming from Danny Ainge. Um, I guess we will hear it here more talking. Quote. I think they're doing a good job, at least in terms of just everyone buying into the message. Yeah, well, why don't we do that? Why don't we play that? Because he was asked about Terry Rozier, and then he talks about the bench as a whole. So let's play that so you can hear that whole exchange. Terry Terry was really good last year, and, and Terry's a winner. Um, I expect that Terry's going to be have that swagger that he finished the season with in, in maybe a lesser role this year yeah. to start the season with everybody healthy. And I think he'll, he'll be dynamic in that role. Do you oh, think your bench guys will accept that lesser role? Yeah, they all know. I mean, like, yeah, they get it. And um, I think everybody has enough respect for the rest of the players on the team that it's easier to accept a role when um, the guys that you're playing behind are really good. Do you or Brad have to talk to them at all and just remind them of that? When it's maybe easier to I don't know. I don't know. You know, there may be a time. I mean, I talk to the players all the time. I mean, there was times when I thought I was better than Larry Bird. (laughs) Someone had to talk me off the ledge. (laughs) I'll do the same. The money quote there being, I thought I was better than Larry Bird, and I had to be talked off that ledge. So The best part about that quote is uh, everyone can feel free to go back 15 seconds, press the 15 seconds. Once he says that, because this is Jay King's recording, you can hear Jay King laugh to it, and it's like the exact impression we do with it. <laughs> <laughs> it made me guffaw when I uh, first heard it about a half hour ago. So everyone can go back to that. Listen to the quote again, reprocess it, and now we can talk about it. That's hilarious. You know what? I didn't notice that, and I'm going to go back and listen. After the podcast, when I edit everything together, I'm going to listen to that, and I'm going to have myself a nice good laugh. Because somebody actually, someone actually listened to the the last podcast we did together where we were just making all the crazy, uh, you know, J. King impressions, and they're like, damn, these guys just shit all over you. Yeah, I mean, we did, but it's only because uh, you, you shit on the people you like. So exactly. If I if we weren't making fun of them, that'd be a worse sign. Right. Right. All right. Back you to can the, justify anything. Absolutely. Back to this. I, I mean, I do. Uh, everybody, like you said, with the propaganda machine, I think that's a really great way to put it. This is just everything is everybody's marching in lockstep with Brad Stevens, with the front office. Everybody's saying the exact right things. And you don't know how it's going to go until you actually go play. And everything's great now because everything is theoretical at this point. The practices are great. Everybody's getting their shots up in practice. 
you know, it's five on five, but that means you're playing and maybe you're subbing in a couple of guys, but that means all 10, 11, 12 guys are playing. Once the games start and, and eventually when things start to slow down, that's when you start to really see how much guys have actually bought into their roles. When, and this is the example I keep bringing up. If Marcus Smart is not in the closing lineup in the last 30 seconds and the Celtics blow a defensive assignment and lose, how does that sit with Marcus Smart? Here, here's another thing. Uh, with all this Kyrie news that's come out and basically like Kyrie is in love with the Celtics, he's going to uh, spend the rest of his career here. I think he told like Rachel Nichols on an interview that he was, he was like very in a great fucking situation or he's fucking happy. He used the F word. Um, is what I'm trying to say. But on the flip side of that, does that basically mean that Terry Rozier is, will not be on the Celtics next year? Because there's a lot of money that's probably going to go to Kyrie Irving. How does that affect Tyree or Terry Rozier's approach in terms of I'm trying to get my next big contract. I want to prove that I'm a starter, but I have to accept non-starter minutes and kind of have to have a reduced role. So he, and that's why I think Terry was specifically brought up today. Um, I don't know if it was the question of Danny, but I think that's the most, like one of the more interesting things. And Terry has said a lot of like the best things about it because it's hard when you're behind Kyrie Irving, who I think Mook described him as a top five player, um, to kind of like assert you're better than him. But you also kind of have to have that approach, like talking like the thing that made Danny Ainge probably as good as he was at basketball is that sometimes he did think he was better than Larry Bird. Like you have that, that kind of crazy confidence, but I think Terry right now is saying the most, like the good things about it. But I think with that contract situation, it makes his situation kind of more interesting. Yeah. I've always said, I'll say it again on this podcast again, that I don't think next year begins with all three of those guards, smart Rozier and Irving on the team. I just don't, uh, at some point, there are financial decisions to be made, and you just can't spend. I know they're going to spend money to keep as much of this team together as they can, but you just can't spend $12 million or whatever it's going to be on a third-string guard. You can you can just find that a different way. So that I, I think for Rozier and the same for Marcus Morris – you say the right thing, you do the right thing, you come in and play when you're asked to play, and then you just rely on history to show those teams that you have what it takes to do what they need. If And his agent can easily say, look, numbers crutch for for uh, Rozier. There's no GM in the leagues who'd be like, oh, I don't know why you only averaged 10 points a game. How's that? Like, you know what the situation is. You say, look, when we when he was asked to be a starter, he dropped a triple-double, and he led this team to the Game 7, and they damn near got to the finals behind him. So as his agent, there's a sell. You can easily sell, and on top of it, you can say, and in a numbers crunch, in a season where he could have complained, he could have asked for a trade, he didn't, he was a good soldier, that's why you need him on, on this team, because he can go out there and show your guys what it takes, and th- I think that's just got to be the approach. Now, I mean, you you hope the agent has that approach, but like everything I've heard of it, agents, it's not they're not like the most like reasonable context matters type people. Like they're they're probably like pushy and just wanting their guys to do like the more counting numbers. It's easier to put counting numbers in some sort of PowerPoint presentation. So I agree with you that that's the rational approach. I just don't know if we know that's like kind of the approach that the Terry Rozier camp is taking. Well, 
if, if he doesn't take that approach, if for some reason the the agent gets involved and says, no, this is bullshit. You got to go out there and demand more minutes. Then goodbye. He's he's not going to be on the team. And I don't think Danny Ainge is going to stand for a guy who's disruptive. He has options for trading somebody. So uh, I, I just don't think uh, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And I don't think Terry Rozier wants to make it an issue. The agent works for the player. The player doesn't work for the agent. So I think if Terry Rozier is good with it, the agent's going to stay quiet, and he's going to have to do his job a different way. That is that is the only way I can put it. Yeah. No. I agree. I concur. <laughs> Thank you. That's what makes our, that's what makes our uh, our podcast way better than sports radio because we could have argued that point for another three oh, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would yeah. have had daytime oh, radio, but I said, oh, I have uh, no more good things to say about this, so uh, let's move on. <laughs> yes, that podcast touch. Yeah, yep. Yeah. We're bad at sports radio, but good at podcasting. So speaking of the bench, BWA, everybody's on board with it. People love it. Marcus Morris has seen all the T-shirts. He says, "I need a couple dollars off that." I'm happy to give. Uh, Marcus Morris, 50% of my, my total profits right now, which currently stand at zero. Nobody's, oh. bought, nobody's bought any of my shirts. Which well, is, the, the, the t-shirt market of the BWA got saturated immediately. Yeah, shirts yeah. flying around everywhere. It's millions of people just, yeah. And I, I, I assume, I assume that somebody would buy like in the frenzy, like five of them, but no, not a one, not a one. Well, that's all right. That's it's a tough game, that, that t-shirt game. That's a tough, it is. I, I thought it was good. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I just, maybe it wasn't. So that's right. if you want to buy it, it's on my Twitter. You just start, you go, go into my media, you'll see the t-shirts and there's a link there. Uh, if you don't want to buy it, that's okay. I'm not offended by that at all, but, uh, it's Brad Stevens approved. It's Brad approved. It's everybody approved. The Celtics official Twitter account is tweeting out the hashtag BWA with a Marcus Morris quote. Which says, once our second unit comes in, I don't care who they've got on their team. There's no second unit that's better than ours. Hashtag BWA. Everybody's oh, on they board. Should've, they should have finished the quote because I believe he said, uh, if their second unit is tired, we're going to bust their ass. Yeah, so I, can, I appreciate I them the using the hashtag, but I want the whole quote, Boston Celtics. The whole quote, account. yes. Uh, the bust their ass part's the funniest part because ass is a dirty word. <laughs> when our second unit comes in, if their second unit's not ready, you're getting your ass busted. You know what I'm saying? That's what it's going to be. I do. Be. I do, Mook. You guys are going to play way better than them by being tough. That's a that's a much more Mook. That's the Mook part of the quote. The first part is like the friendly part of the quote. The rest of it is, you know, the bully Mook part. But Mook had a, a great day of quote today. Let's talk about the bench first, but uh, Mook was fantastic. I'm all for it. No, I mean, look, look, the bench is what it is. I mean, we've already talked about it with, with, with these guys. It's all about accepting their roles. I, I'm good. Everybody's on board. Everybody's on board right now, and we just got to hope that they stay on board when the shit hits the fan. If there's a stretch in the season where something goes wrong and somebody on the bench thinks, oh, I could do better than that, will that become a problem? Well, that, that part you have to wait and see. You just don't know. One more thing on the bench is that Marcus Smart had his availability today, and he was also talking about the bench, and he's, he's a fan of BWA, and he was talking about how the Celtics have the toughest team, the toughest bench, and then he said toughest coach, and that was hilarious. Cause Damn I don't, right. I don't know if Brad Stevens would agree to that, but Marcus was just on a roll. So Brad Stevens getting, in a 30-coach battle royal. He wouldn't do it. He, he wouldn't fight. He wouldn't see any, uh, any good that can come from it. No, probably not. I don't think he that's, would fight. He, that's my coach. That's, <laughs> I can't but back to, okay, back to back Mook. Back to Mook. Mook is better. 
he additionally, so he's talking about Jason Tatum, um, and this isn't the quote you want to talk about, but this was a, a great one. He's like, he's talking about how he's really tough to guard, and he goes, except for me. And it's just like the Mook touch, where so he takes the generic quote and just adds his um, um, his Mook flavor. I, he was definitely my favorite person at Media Day, and I like if we're ranking days so far in, in terms of availabilities, Mook has won the won the preseason. And then he was talking about a float tank. Uh, he's a huge float tank guy. Basically, anything Mook says that our beat reporter tweets out, I I think is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think Mook is probably. One of the more quotable guys. I, like, the, who's more quotable than him? Like, Kyrie's got his quotes, which are fine. Uh, Rozier, smart. I, I gotta say, Mook is is if if he gets going, man, he he's got some some real good ones. Day to day, he is um, fantastic. Like, if like so back when I used to work for WEI and like had to like write reaction things and just like be in the locker every day, I'd always just go straight to Evan Turner's locker because right. He's going to tell you, like, he's going to say something wacky. He's just going to be like, he has less of a filter. I think that's the thing. Mook has less of a filter than the rest of the guys. And so, yeah, if I'm going for just any react quote or, like, a random thing that could happen that day, if I want to fill my uh, jams junk drawer and I'm in the locker room, talking to Mook is, like, the top on the priority list. Yep, that's the guy. That's definitely the guy to uh, to go to. Now, on top of that, on top of that, um, he talked about Marcus Morris. I mean, he uh, is Marcus Morris. He, well, yes, he he is. He Marcus did Morris. talk about Marcus Morris because he was asked many questions about himself. He he also talked about Jason Tatum, which is a different guy, and said he he's way more calmer, he's way more efficient. He kind of ended off where he did last year, and he came in and he knows he's good now. He knows he's one of those guys in the league. That's a running kind of theory or a reaction, I guess, is a better word for it. On Jason Tatum, everybody that talks about Jason Tatum has something similar to say that he's calmed down. He knows exactly who, who he is, and that he's he's kind of taken an emotional kind of step forward. It feels like, yeah, and that makes all the sense in the world because if you think of his last year, he's playing with all these same guys, insanely talented people, and he was only nineteen and it was first time <laughs> in the NBA. So you have to imagine his first couple days of. Uh, training camp last year were much different. And so I like, he has all, he has all the reason in the world to be confident because he was amazing last year. And so I like, you can only think that's going to have an impact on his game. Um, and may, like, maybe he'll only shoot 45% from three to start the season instead of what was it? 48 last year or 50? Yeah, some ridiculous. Like he, and, and Tatum himself says like last year I came in, I was nervous. Uh, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where, where I was going now. Like I'm just, I'm calm. I, I know what's up. I know what to expect. So that's, that's a very important thing. And that today with him and with Morris and all of the things that people are saying about Jason Tatum, that is exactly why I think a guy who sits out his rookie season and plays his second year is not a true rookie. Because Woo! after it back. after a year in the league, all of the things they're talking about, it's not that he added shit to his game. It's not that he added, like, he came back, oh, wow, he's got a step back now or anything like that. Everybody's talking about he's calmer. He's not nervous anymore. He gets it. Like, it's all mental stuff. Now he comes in, 
and he understands the plays. He picks things up more quickly. He understands his role. He understands what when the coach says, be here, be there, this is what's going on. He he doesn't have to look around and ask or follow somebody like, what do I do? Do I do, I do this? Do I? None of that. That stuff is all out of his mind. Now all he has to do is focus on basketball and take that next step forward. That's why when guys sit out an entire year and they get to learn all of this shit, they come in after that. Yeah, they haven't played a second in the NBA, but they come in with all of that mental stuff out of the way, and it helps. It's an advantage. That's my point. And today and the stuff that people have been saying about Tatum over the past couple of days makes my point completely clear. I concur. All right. Let's move on to our last topic then, Al Horford. Al Horford today uh, continued a trend for the Celtics of busting narratives. It's a nice week for people who uh, wanted these narratives out the window, and if you believe in these narratives, well, tough shit. So Kyrie Irving busted a narrative that he wanted to play with uh, Jimmy Butler. Nah, that's all right. He's He loves playing with Hayward. He loves being in Boston. Everything has been about him staying in Boston for a long time and how happy he is here. Next, Al Horford. How many times have you heard Al Horford doesn't want to play the five? Al Horford, oh, this, that, the other thing with the five. No, no, no. Al Horford is good with playing the five, and he said so to uh, Steve Bullpett in the Herald, saying that it's basically in, it's, it's in today's NBA – the game is changing. And he says, quote, the way the game keeps changing, playing the five works to my advantage. Huh, how about that? And with the lineup that we have and all the guys that we have, I feel like we're most explosive if I play more five. And then he addresses. I wasn't enamored with playing the center before, uh, but this team, it's what we need. So I think I'm going to play mostly at the five, and I'll play some four with Baines or Tice uh, comes in, but I'm okay with it. So we can put that narrative to bed. Al Horford is good with playing the five. Thank you very much. Yeah, and we have to like question where this like narrative first came from because it like Al Horford's been in the league in a long Atlanta. time. But it's like is it something he said at the end of his day in Atlanta? Like I'm, he was the center on the that sixty win Hawks team, so I imagine he played the five a lot during that lineup. Like just as the NBA evolves, the center position's gotten a little bit smaller. Offenses have played more five out where. Uh, Horford is assumably more comfortable, and there's just like less marge men that you have to like bang bodies against, uh, especially on the defensive end, playing center in the league. So it just like makes sense that the five is a much more desirable position. And this is like the least shocking quote in the world that Horford is um, is accepting this or like isn't like he. It clearly makes sense that that's the five best. I think the focus on the starting lineup is the biggest thing. Like this. Five lineup is like starting five is going to be like phenomenal. There's a reason why that like in the scrimmages they're playing these five. Like they're it's going to be a great lineup. And so although there's going to be times in where I think Aaron Bain starts like maybe against Joel Embiid and uh, other centers in that class, um, like bigger bodies, maybe Hassan Whiteside if he actually plays basketball good. Um, but I think Horford at the five makes a lot of sense just because like that starting lineup. And how good is that pick going around just from the one for media day? It's already turned into a great meme. I saw it uh, photoshopped onto a um, Pornhub uh, screenshot, which was uh, funny to me. Um, so, uh, Wait, but we need a nickname one? for 
The the one oh, the, in the uh, cold tub? No, no, no. The picture of the starting five with their arms crossed. Oh, for oh, 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 oh. Okay, yeah. I've, although that, that hot tub scene, I see where you're getting at. That does sound like a porn hub. But um, we need to still, like, we're talking about star, uh, nicknames for the starting five, or for the bench, BWA. I've seen some clamoring on the webs for uh, a nickname for the starting five, and I say, I, I don't know if we're there yet. I don't want to, everyone should know this, this is a big nickname podcast, but we're only second day in a training camp. I don't think we anyone has emerged that really works best for this team. The only one I was thinking, and like part of me thinks they already have a nickname, it's Erotic City. Like when you think of what Erotic City is, it's like it's that clip of uh, uh, the Charlotte preseason last year where the ball movement is whipping around, everything whips ass, uh, everyone's involved. It's really it's the best basketball. So if I had to vote for anything right now for a nickname, it'd be Erotic City. But I don't think it's uh, it's settled on that. I don't have to check with the Riffs man uh, for the official canon about what Erotic City means, but I think it really it really refers to that that starting five and that amazing uh, ball movement we saw in last year's preseason. Look, Jay and I talked about this a little bit in last night's show, or the the Tuesday show, Wednesday show. What day is today? We're doing the today Thursday show. Today is Wednesday, but it's yeah, the we're Thursday recording show. on Wednesday night. This is the Thursday show. So for the Wednesday show, Jay and I talked about it, and we kind of came to the same place. Like right now, Erotic City is like the most accurate uh, nickname for this. I'm very definitively anti-Shamrock 5. I just cannot, Oh, God, that's terrible. I cannot be more anti-Shamrock 5, which, of course, means that's going to be what catches on because it's going to drive me up a damn wall. I cannot, cannot be more against Shamrock 5. It's stupid. If we can get Erotic City tweeted by, like, Woj or Zach Lowe or just, like, on ESPN or anything, I think that should be the real goal. Well... Because I think Erotic City has a chance. It's, it's a little... Two out there for the mainstream, but I think it fits perfectly. If, if I – it kind of sucks that I'm not in my Boston groove yet and I don't have the time during the day. I want to Photoshop Erotic City instead of Celtics across the chest, and that would really help further things along. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the young meme lords out there will happily do it. Normally when you request a Photoshop, someone would, someone knows that it's good. So if anyone would like to create that meme or that picture for us, yeah. go right ahead. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd, I'm down for that. Go for it. The more erotic city memes, the better. The more memes that combine Jimi Hendrix and Kyrie Irving, the better. Uh, the more psychedelic things, I'm all for. Um, the Riffs man's going to be at the game on Friday night in North Carolina. I hope Jay King scores an interview. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, we should just follow his lead. And for, I realized, uh, this, the, the other podcast where we're doing like very good analysis of, uh, uh, the Jimmy Butler trade and Kyrie Irving staying or not. And I just like switched from normal analysis to talking about the riffs man being his mind Sherpa. Um, so if there's any new, uh, listeners, I just want to explain the riffs man, who he is. Uh, he's the coolest guy on the internet. He is the Lord and savior of weird Celtics Twitter. And he decides what's cool and what's not. Uh, you should follow him. Uh, he's a cool dude. Um, and he plays rock guitar and he plays riffs. And um, I don't know. Is there anything more? Uh, you know, it really is. Uh, that's pretty good. You, you just got to know him. And just... you follow him. You'll get the experience and you'll catch on quick. Yeah. It's pretty easy. It's because it's, it's so cool. It's at. Hey, Her- Herbert of Rip, H-E-B-E-R-T-O-F-R-I-F-F-S. Uh, Herberto, Herberto F. 
F. Riffs. Herberto F. Riffs. Uh, I like that. It's uh, you, you got to just follow him. You just got that. You just got to experience it. It's just you got to. That, that's the only way I can say. It. You got to experience it. And I think he's greatest, our greatest ally in the in the Erotic City fight. And Absolutely. So, um, yeah, no, I think the starting lineup is Erotic City, but also Erotic City means the entire Celtics team, but it also means the starting lineup. I think that's the way it works from now on. That's it. I like it. Okay, uh, that's a good place to end this. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, you can feel free to send us nicknames if you want to tweet us. If you're new, I'm Red, Red's Army underscore John, and Sam is at Jam Packard on the Twitter machine. Send us your uh, your nickname ideas. I said on yesterday's show, it's got to happen organically. We've got to see it, and then something's got to come to mind. Erotic City is definitely the leader in the clubhouse, but we'll accept applications. Why not? So do that. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, go ahead and subscribe. Search for Lockdown Celtics everywhere podcasts are available. If you are a subscriber, you haven't done it, five-star rating, good review. Give us that bump in the rankings, and it helps us out a lot. And make sure you share. Tell your friends to listen to us, the Lockdown Celtics podcast, here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.